welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood. And as a mindset coach, pilot in training, and visionary for hire, I hope this podcast gives you insights that not only impact your business and your personal life, but thus the world for the better. Welcome back to the Dare to Move podcast. We're back. We're here. Um, You're here, and I am grateful for that. As I am beginning to notice, a lot of listeners, you guys, are obviously current clients. So what up? Good job. You're doing your homework. (laughs) I probably sent this to you saying, hey, you should listen to this. Um, And some of you are future clients, which is so interesting because... I'm getting to a point where, so I made a massive shift in 2021 where I started letting my voice be heard much more clearly. What I mean by that is I was saying what I really wanted to say, coaching from a place of this is a message my clients and future clients need to hear and really that the world hears. Whereas in 2020, when I first started doing if you look back in early 20, I called them solo casts. Like I needed to give my per- myself permission and give it a label to like really um, allow myself to to speak on something because I did I hadn't really given myself full permission and it did take off right. Some of my most critical coaching episodes for my current clients, like internal equals external, need versus should, um, I was thin fluenced. Um, ghosting culture like so many did happen in 2020 so i don't want you to think that those that i am thinking those don't count it's just more of the energy behind my own in my own body of like this is what needs to be heard i need to show up this way it was a little more clear for me in 2021 but technically 2020 was when i began quote unquote coaching on my solo casts and when i started this podcast at the very end of 2018 I, I didn't have an intention of speaking as an authority. I had every intention of being a journalist and sitting with high-powered people and really just wanting to get to know people in my network on a deeper level. And I read a book called Profitable Podcasting that Jeff got for me when he knew I wanted to do this. And I realized how what a gift sitting down with really amazing people was. And instead of just bending their ear for some time and going to lunch, me getting access to, you know, people like Hari Ravishandran, who was on, I want to say, one of the first episodes, who's a self-made billionaire, or the CEO of Kodiak Cakes, or the CEO of Gravity Blankets, or the producer of the um, show 30 Rock, who have all been on this podcast, uh, I get to do it. To help others too so that was my initial intention and the back the the deepest part of me did know that i i had to share my voice which was the scary part because people kind of had to know who i was as the host um i don't know if you guys share this with me but when i love a podcast um and i don't know who the host is it makes it harder for me to really ground that the podcast so um, for instance, I love Almost 30 as a podcast. They have great guests on, lots of spiritual discussions, and they do a great job sharing who they are as hosts. So I feel like I know the host and I'm learning about the guest. 
And um, the podcasts that I want more out of are the ones where I actually want more out of the host. So anyway, um, I started sharing about myself in season one and parts of season two. So if you're more curious about me, you can listen to where I was and who I was back then. Obviously, things have changed. So just wanted to do a quick intro for myself, which sounds strange. And I honestly didn't plan to say what I'm saying right now. I plan to just open up with this notion of realizing that the people that I'm talking to, you guys, are really close to me. Meaning yesterday in a session, one of my clients said, oh yeah, I listened to that episode like a year and a half ago and I just forgot that I had listened to it. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool that a year and a half ago, a client I have now was in my sphere. So anyway, my name is Garrett. I am a mom. If you're new to the podcast, I started this again to sit with people that were on the cusp of really like people I was on the cusp of really knowing people that were in my network, but not friendly with me um, on a, a personal basis. I wanted to get friendly. I wanted to learn from them. I wanted to share the message. And for me, it was my new content creation because when I started Crossroads of Fitness in 2014 to online coach in the fat loss and physical body transformation space, I used to write three blogs a week. And then I shifted into writing a book. And as soon as I began writing my book, my blogging just, it really tanked. It was, I just didn't have enough gas in the tank to perform at that level of writing. And I, I wasn't feeling passionate behind my writing and any writers out there, you know what it feels like when you're writing just to write and not to like, nothing's coming through. It's just like putting words on a paper. So I stopped blogging, really focused on my book, got my book out in 2018, wrote a ton of newsletters to market the book. And then once the book was done and behind me at the end of 2018, I was like, ah, I need to create again. <laughs> How am I gonna create? A podcast and there were so many universal nudges to tell me that it was time uh, to do it and so I did it and now we are here in 2022 um, three and a half years later uh, this December will be four years of podcasting Wow what a ride and yeah I'm a mom I'm married to not my that's really an interesting slip there I am engaged to a man I was supposed to marry uh, in 2020 <laughs> and COVID happened and so we decided to have a baby um, I believe in quantum leaps I believe in all the spiritual realms I am on a spiritual journey I am building a company called X Mantra Inc that I will be leading as CEO this year we are currently raising money and while that is being formulated in the field of possibilities. I am coaching seven amazing humans right now in this moment of time that I am recording on February 11th. I think you're hearing this later in February, perhaps the 20th, something around there, 19th. And my clients are largely coaches and other guides. A lot of them have been in the functional space. Um, I am working with a banker at the moment. I am working with who else is not in the coaching space? Um, that's about it. Everyone else is in the functional space or the physical space, all small business owners, people really wanting to scaffold themselves into the ability to hold their greatest and highest potential, which means letting go of limiting beliefs, which means feeling confident in who they are, being grounded in their body and calling in what they're worth and working on that worthiness and allowing their business to operate on the level of worthiness that they 
believe they are so that they can call in what they desire because you may want a million dollars and not have the scaffolding within yourself which kind of means the belief in yourself to actually hold said manifestation so quick check on it and this is actually uh, if you want more along these lines you can listen to a podcast called worthiness versus readiness that i recorded pretty recently or worthiness and readiness Um, So that's a pretty recent episode that could help you. But that's what I'm helping people do in the world. If I wanted to just make my byline on Instagram really simple, I would just put, I guide people to make more money because that's what I do. And the company that I am building, X Mantra, through um, a venture firm in Australia called Catalyze, uh, is, uh, that's what it will do. It will help coaches make money and find clients and clients begin, sustain, and transform through their mental wellness journey. So how exciting. Um, So finally, before we get into co-dependency and co-regulation, which may end up being a two-part episode, I wanted to share that. If you're my client, you know this, uh, but when we look into the balancing of masculine and feminine energies, we tend to historically, at least in the US, be over-indexed in masculine, right? To-do lists, goals, hustle, grind, get it done. I mean, you guys know if you're a longtime listener that season two for me was all about stillness and the feminine essence and how do we slow down and how do we create from the infinite and not from doing? How do we create as being at that level of consciousness? So if you're new, I highly encourage you to go back to any solo cast episode uh, from 2021 and or interview at the end of 2021. That's sort of where we really start getting into it. Anyway, I am leaning into that energy um, heavily in my life. I mean, X Mantra is being built from that place. I don't know the next step at this moment. Um, the original founder of a company called X Mantra, EX Mantra, it's the root of the business that is be- the new business that's being built. He told me, he's like, you don't have to have anything yet. You just, the universe gives you your to-do list as you have conversations with people. And so watching that unfold, And something else came to my attention through one of my clients recently who listened to, I think the podcast Trigger Ping Pong or something, some other podcast I did recently that where I said I wanted to, or I was planning on launching a mastermind. And I don't know if it's just being a mom and building another business or what, what's going on, but I had set the intention and I just let it sit there and I, I, so much that I forgot about it. And I had set the intention saying, if it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen because that's how things always work. And when she said it, like, you're doing a mastermind, right? And I thought I had so forgotten about it that I was like, wait, no, I'm not. Like, I I thought she meant I was joining one. And I was like, what one am I joining? Like, I don't understand. I don't do masterminds. Um, (laughs) So anyway, I would love to share with you guys that that was the nudge I needed to remember that I am hosting what is of the old energy, we could call it a mastermind, but a group, a group coaching program that I would love to launch the second half of this year. My guess is it will launch in August. I say guess because the details will continue to unfold. But what's hilarious is, as my client said to me, you know, Garrett, we're going to, I thought you were doing this. I, of course, hang up with her and I find a journal. Uh, underneath a bunch of papers on my desk that had all the details of what I was calling it. So I'm only opening it to eight people and um, to the client, you know, who you are, who said, wait, aren't you doing a mastermind? Um, You know, I'll write your name down. Just email me. My email is in the show notes. You may join. I'm looking for guides, coaches, light healers, um, 
people who really want to be surrounded by others who are falling into trust, surrender, intentionality, and want to be on the ride of the creative feminine process. So what does that look like? We'll be on the phone once a week. We will be hopefully meeting up uh, in the new year of 2023 to can convene commune uh, be together but largely it'll be a guiding process um, and it where I am guiding a group we are guiding each other and when we hold space like that what comes through will come through and it will be beyond what we can expect so that is the energy if you are interested in joining a group of coaches guides healers um, alchemists I would love to have you just shoot me an email I'll send you details uh, when I'm ready to send them and I don't know when that will be yet but they will be there the fee will be in there everything will be in there but uh, I basically have two people already that are like when it's ready it's ready I'm in so um, this is your nudge to if you've been thinking about one-on-one coaching uh, and or joining something um, but maybe you weren't ready to do one-on-one with me this will be a group program and the intention behind it by the way is because if I am really in the thick of X mantra which I intend to be I will not be taking one-on-one at the end of this year so please uh, reserve a spot okay so let's get into codependency and co-regulation okay so codependency um (laughs) there's so much in codependency and i've talked about it as a thread that's probably been woven through all episodes on this in the last year uh but it's one of the biggest things that i see with guides healers coaches um and really any of my high performers where they feel stuck um it can show up as people pleasing it can show up as feeling bad about charging something it can feel it can show up as feeling defeated or personally attacked when someone says no to your offer or to your um services it can show up as feeling really challenged uh by your romantic relationship and it can also show up as feeling like you are an adult with a complicated relationship with your parents feeling like you're letting your parents down or you have to show up for them or you feel guilty and any of these things that i just mentioned especially the last note really get us to a place of negative emotion so for instance if i'm in an ice cream truck and i sell chocolate and i sell vanilla and someone comes up and says hi i'd like strawberry ice cream please and i say i'm so sorry i don't have um i don't have that Um, I can offer you vanilla or chocolate and they throw a fit and they're just like appalled how dare you not have strawberry and they freak out I can sit there and I can just say I'm sorry neutrally and I don't feel bad because you know I I don't sell that and it's not personal they're having a day where they really need strawberry and I can go on with my day and you know if if it feels aligned for me or it shares a new idea that maybe I want to offer strawberry I could add that into my business plan but um, there's no negative emotion around that so the difference would be that someone comes up says hey i want strawberry ice cream and i say oh my god i'm so sorry i can't i i can't offer that i i don't know what to do i mean i, I just i'm so sorry i i don't have strawberry and they get really upset and i'm gonna write a bad review and then i'm upset and then i'm so upset that i'm really off on my game the rest of the day in my business and then i have a bad night and then that turns into a bad weekend and i take it out on myself by overeating i mean you you get where i'm going with this right 
So that's codependency. And what a lot of us learned, and this is a review for any of you loyal listeners, um, I'm sure you've heard me say this before, a lot of what a lot of us realized in 2020 when we had to slow down, go home, do nothing, was that we were actually codependent on things in our life. Uh, codependent on our spin class like well spin class and that amazing instructor will make me happy on Wednesday night or um, going to that favorite restaurant and eating or overeating that certain appetizer and martini that makes me happy and sort of like relying on other things in our life to quote unquote make us happy and getting largely unhappy when other things went wrong. So my personal example was being personally offended by the Boston traffic I used to deal with on a regular basis <laughs> or the annoying issues when I decided to take public transportation, which was rare because I hate public transportation, um, in Boston. And if we are internally guided from our inner wisdom, internal equals external reality, then one, we can largely create our external reality, and two, our external reality cannot negatively impact us, right? We can find joy and higher vibrations wherever we are. So you can see that if we are codependent on others, if we are codependent on other things, um, and if we are not internally satisfying ourselves, we can run into some like really just I don't know, we just create a really uncomfortable lifestyle and way of moving through space and time. So this is why it's such a big theme in my um, work. And as a parent now, I'm, I'm actually in, call it an even deeper space of learning why this happens and, and, and how, we can, how we can avoid it happening and so on. So let's get into it. You guys know, again, if you've listened to the podcast or you're my client, that our brain gets programmed from age zero to seven. It just does. It's it's when we're, I mean, we're, it's still getting programmed and formulated up until I think like age 23, but mostly our modeling between zero and seven really sets the tone for what we believe about ourselves and what we believe about the world. And what... <laughs> babies are, especially little babies, they are codependent, right? If I don't change Declan's diaper, like it's not going to get changed. He can't take care of himself. Um, if I don't feed him, he's not going to eat. If I don't put him down for a nap, he would fall asleep, but he's going to be cranky. He needs help with co-regulating his system. So I'm going to read you the definition of co-regulation. Co-regulation is, de is defined as warm and responsive interactions that provide the support, coaching, and modeling children need to understand, express, and modulate their thoughts, feelings, and behavior. An example of co-regulating pa co parent behaviors or caregiver-guided dyadic regulation is prompting or helping. The mother will physically or vocally scaffold the child. Example being physical prompting with a toy if the child becomes frustrated. So it's like, hey, I can see you're frustrated. Will this toy make you happy? Will the, will food settle you? Like Because the child literally can't even tell us they're hungry except by kind of their emotional reactions. And so it is the job of the parent to help the child co-regulate. And a very big one, and by the way, I'm not a psychologist. You all know that, but I'm not. Um, I'm also not a child or parenting expert. I'm just happened to be going through it at the moment as a mother of a 10 month old. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not here to say what's right or what's wrong in parenting styles either. So small disclaimer, but I am 
experiencing um, this phase of being the guide for my son as a co-regulator. And there is a school of thought called Cry It Out uh, or the Ferber Method where you, well, the Ferber Method is actually a little bit more co-regulating, but basically Cry It Out is when you are ready as parent, so the theory goes, when you are ready to sleep through the night, you let the baby cry and cry and cry until they essentially pass out. And, you know, my school of thought, and this is just my personal belief, it doesn't mean your belief is right or wrong, it's just my own personal belief that I have found through my own sovereignty of being a parent, is that I wouldn't leave my baby in a cave by himself if we lived a thousand years ago because he'd get eaten by a bear. <laughs> and babies can sense that. And babies have always been close to their mothers. Uh, I would co-sleep if Declan was still into it, but he's not. Um, so I didn't want to do cry it out. I didn't want to put him under the stress of feeling the potential fear that is ingrained in his cellular DNA of potentially being eaten by a bear because he doesn't, his, he's living through his ancestral DNA of what he's programmed to do, which is cry when he's left alone for too long or in the middle of the night, babies cry out for their moms. And for me, letting him cry until he literally passed out was not gonna be the right issue. So going back to co-regulation, when he cries in the middle of the night, which still happens, I'm actually shocked to even say that he slept through the night last night for the third time this month and it's only the 11th. Like I'm in shock because like, I just figured he wouldn't do it for a long time because he hasn't, hasn't really done it in 10 months. So you can imagine how much sleep I'm getting. But nevertheless, when he cries, he gets worked up, right? Sometimes um, I, because I actually turn the monitor off because his room's above us. So he has to cry a little bit loudly for me to wake up, which is good because I sometimes babies just cry in their sleep. Like they make a little yelp and then they go back to sleep. And the monitor, if it's right next to your head, will wake you up all night. So I turn the monitor off. Now I know when he's crying and he needs me, I will hear him. I'll wake up, go get him. What I do is I hold him. I promise you guys we are going somewhere that will make your coaching life and your business helpful, but stay with me. I hold him and I go, and I slow my breathing, which is actually kind of hard sometimes to do because I have to run up the stairs <laughs> to get to him. So I come up there a little bit out of breath, hold him, he's out of breath from crying, and we just breathe together like, and so we're safe. And he knows he's safe. He calms down. Sometimes he needs his pacifier, which also helps him co-regulate, calm down. Um, sometimes he needs a bottle. It used to be breastfeeding up until nine months. And yeah, he's done. He, he goes back to sleep. He feels safe. So the Ferber method is you let them cry for five minutes. You go in, you rub their back. You don't pick them up. You just rub their back, say, hey, hey, I'm here. It's fine. Then you let them cry again. And, you know, we tried a version of that, but Declan would just scream <laughs> and scream louder, and I, I couldn't do it. So I co-regulate that way. So the point is that as parents, the more we can help our chi child co-regulate, meaning understand that they have the capacity to breathe through emotional waves, to be still in discomfort, to know we're safe, helps them build that muscle within themselves. And um, I was brought up in an age, and I know I would say at least 50% of my clients were brought up in ages where even as toddlers and four and five-year-olds, it was not okay to cry. Like when I would start crying, I would, I would hear things like, suck it up, you're fine, you're fine. Go to your room if you're gonna cry. You know, like, don't, don't do that, don't cry. Like, be a big girl, right? And 
that was what that did was it really pissed me off and made me cry harder because I remember having the call it intuition or just me maybe maybe I'm an old soul I have this memory of crying really hard in my room and just being like I just want her to tell me it's okay to feel this like I actually knew that at five like I just want my mom just to say that like it's okay to be sad I don't even want her to fix it I don't even need a hug I just want her to know that like I, it's okay to be mad about this like I actually remember where I was I remember looking out my window where we lived like very vivid memory here and sometimes I would just cry and cry and cry and I felt like I couldn't stop because <clears throat> again it's actually like I think up until age six seven that we can actually do that like we can actually calm ourselves down but it, you have to have had the practice of a parent hugging you through it helping you breathe validating your emotions telling you yes this is an emotion yes it's okay to cry it's kind of like if you're potty training a kid you're like yep poopy comes out there you know this is what happens and um realizing like okay that's a normal thing (laughs) it's gonna happen to me i can move through it it's all good i flush the toilet i go on with my day right so when we don't have the experience of scaffolding this behavior telling us it's okay reaffirming how to do it just like we show kids how to tie their shoes if we don't have co-regulation we actually prolong the need of co-dependency so side note there is a, a study that says that kids who have been uh made to cry it out or have been shown to um have to learn how to well i'll get to that so i'll do the cry it out uh, example first so kids who have been shown to cry it out they literally get their circuits blown like they their their brain basically shuts off like well if i'm going to be attacked or i'm going to pass out or whatever and by the way if you disagree with me there are studies on everything on every side i really am not trying to be in polarity and if you're if cried out work for your family like i'm so glad for you like please do not message me this is not an invitation to try to convince me because in my sovereignty this is what i'm choosing and in your sovereignty you can choose yours and i know this can be a polarizing subject but please hear me out for the example of what i'm getting to um they don't learn how to um, integrate the behavior of self-soothing and attachment so they actually become more attached to their mom so um a little more clingy energy during the day things like that um and similarly uh and i can this is just my own personal example i wasn't shown how to validate my own feelings and to accept them and to be like i just wanted that that hug or it's okay that i'm so sorry you're sad about this like it sucks that this happened for you I understand that you're sad and I know you can get through this like I didn't get that when I was little so I became a very reactive person a very reactive um, teenager I would actually feel guilt and shame when I was upset because I was mad for being upset because I was taught that crying and being upset wasn't okay and I was supposed to be suck it up and I was supposed to be stoic and all of that so it actually prolonged my ability to figure out how the heck do I calm myself down how the heck do I do this this is hard so the reason I bring all this up is because if there is a chance that your parents also because maybe you're close to my age i'm 31 maybe your parents also said hey suck it up it's not okay to cry go to your room if you're gonna cry figure it out on your own like again suck it up no crying in baseball things like that you might have the struggle of codependent issues you're still dealing with codependency because you didn't get the codependency to instill co-regulation when you were younger your parents didn't help you build the scaffolding so you still have that childhood need of needing (laughs) co-regulation in order to 
beat or move through codependency. Like you need validation in yourself. So again, let's go back to the person who says, well, I'm just really sad. I think my business isn't valuable or my offer is not valuable because people are saying no. And it's like, if you knew that everything you were feeling was valid and that your emotions were fine and other people's emotions and reactions were theirs and you had been through co-regulation to beat codependency, you wouldn't be so worried about other things making you happy because you would have the skills and knowledge to co-regulate. So when I do deep breaths with Declan, I teach him how to do that for himself at a very young age, right? Um, Another example, my brother, my five-year-old brother, um, you know, I'm not really around my stepmom's parenting style. I don't know what she's doing, but I just thought he, um, I watched a tower fall down that he was building. And I mean, he, it was the worst moment of his life. You know, I watched this tower fall down over Christmas break. Um, and my dad was kind of like, it's okay, Quincy. It's fine. Like go, you know, I'm going to, you know, you'll build it back. It's fine. And Quincy's just on the ground sobbing. And my brother was like, it's okay, Quincy. It's good, man. Come on. Like man up, like he didn't say man up, but something along those lines, right? Quincy's just on the floor crying by himself. So I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna go try gentle parenting, which is a form of like co-regulation. And so I just go over there, I hug him, and I'm like, it's okay that you're. Or I said, I'm sorry your tower fell. It's totally fine to be sad about that. What a bummer. What a bummer that you worked so hard on this tower. Like I'm sorry that you're sad, Quincy. I know that must be really hard for you. Like just validating. And literally, he went. Oh, thank you, sister. And he just walked away. Like, he was just cool in a minute. He's he's obviously older. But that little bit of validation went a long way for him. And so the reason I bring all this up is because there's a strong chance you're here because you've experienced some codependency uh, in your life. Um, You may suspect it's going on in your business, in your relationship. And I'm going to now read a list from you and a a book that I would have never expected (laughs) it to come through um, on codependent behaviors, just a few, so you can see if it's showing up for you if you're still not sure. And I'm going to talk about co-regulating as an adult. Um, And then finally, there's like kind of another term for codependency, which is enmeshment. And enmeshment shows up even, uh, it's more like codependency on steroids where parents didn't necessarily intentionally co-regulate. They actually used the child for their own codependent wounding (laughs) so it's like double codependency and then that turns out as a meshment and I want to just attune you to I have another list for ways that that can show up and it's very similar to codependency and I'm not going to read it I will do a meshment in its own separate episode okay so there's a book called time to think it's written by Nancy Klein and it was written in the 90s by this uh forerunner in the executive coaching space and It's all about the power of listening to ignite the human mind. If you are interested in leadership in any way, shape, or form, Time to Think is an incredible book. If you are involved in a startup and you want to kind of throw some steroids into your creative thinking process, like this is a book for you. Um, If you're an executive coach, a guide, a healer, great book for you. And how interesting, they bring up codependency in this. And it's been a while since I read it, so I'm not even really sure of the context. I just know that Anytime I need a quick list of codependent behaviors (laughs) for my clients, I pull up this book. So we're at page 49 in the chapter on attention in Time to Think. She says, codependence and infantilization are cousins. I bring up this concept because codependence is a terrible state in in which to try to do your own thinking. So 
if you're experiencing codependency or you have codependent tendencies, it's going to be very hard to do your own thinking. So that's the point of what she's trying to make. She goes, there are 50 gazillion books and tapes out there now about codependence. And this was back in the 90s. But just in case you've not come across the term, codependence is an addiction to people pleasing. The term was coined in the field of the 12-step program for addiction recovery to describe a person in an addict's life who is scared to lose the addict's love that they don't dare challenge the person's addiction. For example, the person who is addicted to an alcoholic will say, when the alcoholic is out cold on the floor every night, oh, that's just Jamie for you, always exhausted after a hard day's work, glazing over the fact that he's you know, passed out from alcohol or whatever. For the fear of making Jamie angry or risking losing the relationship, the codependent will not require Jamie to change their behavior in the sense the codependent is inside the addiction with Jamie thus codependent so i also had always heard the term codependency when i thought of um codependent in like relationships like people were so codependent like they couldn't leave their own lives and i was actually very scared of that because i'm a type seven <laughs> my highest value is independent so even though i've learned in the last couple years that i did have codependent behaviors in a relationship, I was scared of codependency because I wanted freedom because I'm an Enneagram 7 and, and we value that. But I, So I thought I just didn't have codependency, but I had it in other areas, just not my relationship. So anyway, she goes, codependents are everywhere, not just in the lives of addicts. You are codependent if, okay, you guys ready? You feel you are literally dying if the person is mad at you. You feel joy only when the other person is happy and you're sad the minute that they feel sad. You ask somebody what they think in order to know what you think. So this, I have a friend, former friend maybe, um, long time ago, that would be very like sly about her opinions and, and never really share about herself until she had asked a million questions about the other person. And once she got a feel for what they were like, she would just reflect back to them the same thing and do like a chameleon. She also was a, a mental projector, which means they're very close to a reflector energy in human design. Um, and so she would just kind of be what they were in order to feel so similar to them that she could be best friends with them. Anyway, you ask someone what they think in order to know what you think. You lie to keep someone pleased with you. So it'd be like, back to the ice cream truck, um, yeah, you know what? We do have strawberry, but I actually just ran out an hour ago. Um, we're going to have it in about an hour. Do you want to just like come back in an hour? And then I make a call to my brother to run and go to the random store and buy some strawberry just so that when this dude comes back, I have strawberry ice cream for him. Um, so you lie to keep people pleased with you. You do not know that you exist apart from them, meaning you're getting so much of your identity through their friendship, through their client relationship through that spin class <laughs> like um you exist in a pool of anxiety if you haven't heard from them so this is a good example for people who are new in dating relationships if you become overly identified with the possibility of this you're codependent on i'm happy if this relationship works out if they don't text me back i'm just a mess right i think we can all say we've been there you are most happy obeying most comfortable thinking for yourself uh uh, uncomfortable thinking for yourself sorry so really happy if you're following the rules that someone else has set following kind of like marching to the beat of their drum and if you have to think for yourself you're actually really uncomfortable because you're scared if you think for yourself and say something that is not aligned with their thinking that they won't like you 
Nancy Klein says, this total identification with other people is established early in life. It can attach to any situation. The addict's life is, you know, an example of it. Um, codependency is rampant in any structure regarding obedience and conformity. And there's a lot of space, a lot of that happens in a lot of places like family, schools, hospitals, government, corporate life, the military, to name a few. So we know how we start off as codependent little, little beings. We need, we, we, ha we have to be codependent. And at some point when we haven't been taught co-regulation, which is learning through example of what it's like to calm our breathing, to soothe ourselves, to find our own power within, when we get sad and our parent just says, go cry in your room, we can tell they're angry at us, right? And we can tell that they're not pleased with our crying. So now we feel shame for our crying. Now we feel anger that make, that our parents aren't happy with us because we just don't like to see someone mad at us because you know, we were mad about something else and now we're mad that our parents are mad at us for being mad and we don't have the skills to soothe. So then we feel embarrassed and shameful and we get sent to our room to cry it out, essentially. Um, and we yearn to make our parents happy. We yearn to not be sent to our room. We yearn to make our, like, again, be happy because our parents have told us that being sad, being mad, being upset is not good. So now we learn, okay, well, that's not good. And I don't really know how to control it. So I'm just going to try really hard not to be upset or share my own stuff because I don't want to ruffle any feathers because it doesn't feel good to have to go cry in my room by myself. It's just kind of one example, but that's the way I track it. So how do we work through this, right? So we know that, and I'm doing it with Declan right now, co-regulation is key. Being shown how to go inward and breathe through an emotion, validate ourselves. It's okay to feel this way, to actually feel our feelings, to let them move through us like a wave crashing over us, all of that stuff. And to know how we can, again, validate ourselves, give ourselves the confidence, give ourselves the push, give ourselves happiness. Um, and it's extra hard when enmeshment is involved. So I will do an episode on that, which means that your parents are actually getting happiness out of you. <laughs> so things like the parent getting upset when you lose a basketball game or the parent getting upset when you have really bad grades or the parent then, because it's saying that like, if you do well, then they're happy, which is putting a lot of pressure on you, right? So let's just assume that parent was not codependent on you. <laughs> the parent wasn't enmeshed, but that, they didn't teach you self-regulation and because we can talk about that next week um you grow up needing to learn co-regulation you really do and we create situations our soul does through soul contracts through romantic relationships through friendships where we actually experience co-regulation and so i'm sure you can think to a really nurturing nurturing friendship or romantic relationship in your life maybe it's not the person you married or the person you're going to marry but it's someone who held space for you and really just witnessed you in your sadness without judgment, without name calling, and without a reaction. And that's what therapy is, right? That's what coaching is. When someone witnesses you in the fullness of whatever emotion you're bringing to the table and says, it's okay like to feel this way. Therapy is largely just validating people's emotions, right? Showing them that it's okay to feel what they feel, helping them process it. So we could almost say that therapy is kind of a form of co-regulation. Um, and we've all had those powerful friends that are just empaths that can hold space for us, that can 
say, wow, I'm really sorry you went through that. And um, that must have been hard for you without, you know, saying, making it about them without telling them how to telling you how to fix it. Literally just listening, just listening. Right. We just wanted our parents to listen when we were having that emotional feat like Quincy just wanted to know that it was okay that his tower fell like that he could be sad about that that he could feel sadness for the tower falling right so all of that being said when we think about co-regulation you as guides listening you as coaches listening you as healers listening think about a time maybe you were triggered by a client's emotional reaction there's a chance that your parents weren't okay with you being emotionally reactive. And so when you see that behavior, it triggers you and you want them to stop and you take it up you make it about yourself that you made them upset. When we can get out of our codependency ourselves, it makes us become co-regulators for others in our work. And we have to undo the codependency within ourselves in order to be the coach, healer, or guide for someone else to hold the space for them and be the co-regulator for them. So I am seeing a lot of my clients who have bits and pieces of codependency left in their own story have really triggering experiences in their business because they themselves are still dealing with it again within themselves so when the client has a reaction they want to make it about themselves whereas if they can undo that they can just be in the space of co-regulators so like when Declan freaks out in the middle of the night and he's screaming and crying I'm not freaking out I'm just there to hold him and help him breathe through it and I'm not gonna like get upset about it or be like oh I feel so bad that I made Declan cry like no Declan was just crying because he's a baby and babies cry and I'm gonna hold space for him and help him through it so if your client is having a reaction to whatever they're having a reaction to, if you hold space for them and let them see that this is their thing and help them breathe through it and help them co-regulate, they'll get from that the co-regulation they need to become independent. So wow, how interesting as coaches that we're co-regulators, that we help people get out of codependency. But we have to get out of codependency ourselves before or during, I mean, part of, I think, our soul's plans is to put us in front of really triggered clients so that we can see where we're codependent. So what a gift. Our clients are always gifts. Um, but yeah, how interesting, right? And I know that Jeff has held space for me in so many times that has helped me build my own scaffolding for co-regulation, as has my teacher, Alexandra, teaching me how to breathe through stuff so I can help others do it. Wow, what a gift. So We've talked a lot about triggers, right? We've talked about polarity this year already. We've talked about trigger ping pong. We've talked about worthiness and readiness. We've talked about embodiment. And anytime you're having a reaction to something, think about, if are you looking for something to make it feel better? Are you looking for a cocktail? Are you looking for weed? Are you looking for a hug? It's okay to seek co-regulation and can you use co-regulation to become independent and become sovereign um so coaches guides healers i hope you use this as a check on yourself and where maybe you still need to do some unraveling of codependency in your life and find a way to co-regulate work on your co-regulation and how can you be a better uh guide of co-regulation in your work for people who are dealing with the codependency because um, they will try to throw their lack of progress, their lack of healing onto you because they, they are that wounded baby that still needs to learn how to breathe. And 
what we can do is help them breathe through it. It all comes back to breathing, right? It all comes back to breathing, spirit moving through the body, of course, as always. Um, but this has been a long episode. Um, I know there's a long intro on my behalf, but perhaps it shed some light on who I am, where I come from, what I'm doing. Obviously, the podcast, if you listen to all the episodes, will really tell you because you've been a guy, you guys have been on the, the ride with me. But um, share this episode with someone if it feels supportive. Um, I hope it has been enlightening for you. I will do an episode on enmeshment soon. Uh, I will put a link for the book, Time to Think. I will put my email in the show notes um, so you can contact me if you want to be on the list of the eight people who will have a spot in my group guiding program that is essentially a mastermind without calling it that because we want to get out of our minds um my only coaching offering that will be open at the end of the year and um yeah thanks for being here i hope this is supportive and without further ado i will wish you as always um my mantra dare to move